Okay, so look, I know I recorded a podcast yesterday, uh, but I was feeling a little punchy. And uh, I've been referencing this one mamar a couple of times in the last couple of conversations. And it's uh, one of my favorites. And I'm on vacation anyway. And it is 12 o'clock here, and Shabbos is like 4.30. Uh, so I got a little bit of time. Uh, so let's do this. Okay, so we are going to be discussing uh, Mamar Samachtet of Pesach. Uh, and this is discussing uh, Shir Shirim, which is uh, customarily read on Shabbos Cholomoid of Pesach. Uh, and I think the question that he's really dealing with here, I'm going to be straight up honest with you at the front, uh, I think he's dealing with the question of why Shir Hashirim is written like that. Okay, Famously, Shir Hashirim is uh, described, is, is a love song, is a, uh, is a love story um, with, you know, details of... Uh, you know, the the lovers describing each other's body parts, uh, stuff like that. Uh, and it is taken as Chazal as, like, only mashal, only parable, only, uh, you know, allegory, right? Uh, to the point that when Arsral translates Shir Hashirim, they do not translate it literally. No, that would be too scandalous. Uh, they translate it uh, non-literally, saying, like, you know, Israel to the nations, and then uh, God to Israel, stuff like that. Um, and I think the question he's dealing with here is, if that's true... Why write it that way? Um, so uh, let's get into this, okay? Uh, and I'm going to start reading, and if it takes too much time, I'm going to stop reading and then sum up what I remember from it. Okay. Shir Hashirim Asher Lishlamo. Okay, that's the opening lines. Mishuna hi lashon b'ticha zu, me'asher halashon b'ticha l'mishlei. This uh, opening is different from the opening of Mishlei, of Proverbs. Shalom Namar Ba Ela Mishlei Shlomo, because it only says the Proverbs of Shlomo. Ubepticha uh, Kohelet, and the, the beginning of Kohelet, uh, Ecclesiastes, for those of you who uh, uh, prefer the longer English terms. Shalom Namar Ba Ela Divrei Kohelet. It only says these are the words of Kohelet. Ve'ilukan Nitosva Ba Beticha Zu Tevat Asher, Asher Lishlomo. In this opening, the word asher, that, is uh, included. Asher l'shlomo, that is to shlomo. V'teva zu shanitov sabepticha l'shir ashirim blita yitera yeshba. And this word has a, um, blita is like a, a sticking out. Uh, this word sticks out in the opening of shir ashirim. Shekein hu me blita biyoter et hayichud shel hasefer hazeh Okay, uh, because th- and this uh, sticking out uh, shows the uh, uniqueness of Shira Shirim uh, from the rest of the books written by Shlomo. Okay, a little bit non-literal translation there, uh, but his question is why is the word Asher there? Now, some of you who may not be inclined towards the sort of rabbinic thinking that Rufunner is, uh, is saying because because it's because it's there. The Asher is not a, like a, a uncommon word. Um, first of all, let him cook. And second of all, uh, does that work sometimes? And third of all, again, I think sometimes Rav Hutner's question is not really his question, if you get what I mean, right? He's using it as a jumping off point for Drash rather than, you know, this is my actual question. 
Uh, why he does that? It could be that, you know, the, two, the question itself is too scandalous. He's trying to hide behind that. Uh, it could be that that's just the format. Um, I'm wasting time. Let's keep, uh, keep going. Okay. Blita. Uh, my, my notes in here from Shunabet translated as bulge, but I'm, I'm not going to translate it that way. Uh, this, uh, Blita Zoo, uh, this sticking out, Mipareshid he kidula kaman. Uh, and is uh, explained uh, as as we go on. Hine stam shira hu mipalatam shel rishaim. The uh, and he's using an idea that he uses other uh, times in Pesach and a little bit in Purim uh, as uh, you know, song in the Torah happens upon the defeat of the wicked. Shenem ar yitamuchatam min aretz virsham odinam barchin nafshi es Hashem. All right, the uh, pasuk from Tehillim, uh, you know, sins have been uh, uh, finished from the earth, and uh, evildoers are no longer. Uh, my soul blesses God. And this is an idea he develops elsewhere, where the essence of song is the defeat of good over evil. Okay, aval. But this uh, this system of opposites, um, that's what I have in my notes. Uh, I'm fancy now. I'm going to use the term binary. Okay, this uh, binary of tzaddik v'rasha, righteousness and evil, is not the only, and here he's using maracha, uh, first he uses it as system, but he's now playing with the language a little bit, and he's using it as battlefield. It is not the only battlefield that uh, we are looking to be victorious in. Uh, rather, in our... Uh, you know, hopes. I don't think that's a correct translation. Uh, like, are looking forward. We are looking forward to a victory that is uh, uh, more deeper. And a binary that is even deeper. Right? There's something even deeper than good and evil. There's something, um, and I wrote a paper about... Uh, uh, Rav Hunter using Nietzsche. So there is something beyond good and evil. Okay? Uh, okay, sorry, I skipped the line. Uh, we are not satisfied with the defeat of good over evil. All right, this is it's kind of exciting. Like, it's, that's, that's pretty ambitious. Yes, that's our funder. Uh, in the depths of our soul, this victory doesn't. Uh, uh, I, I don't know how I translated hamargua or mergua. It doesn't. My sense is it doesn't satisfy our deepest longing. Okay. In the depths, there is a yearning of the soul, el hanitzachon haber yoteramuk, all right, and for a victory that is, uh, you know, even uh, greater of greater depth, right? Yoter uh, means you know more, uh, and more deeper would be the proper translation, but uh, it doesn't work in English as well as it works in Hebrew. Okay, ha'aruga ha'pnimit zoremet he el hanitzachon ber marechet ha'avchim shel kodesh v'chol, right? The uh, 
the yearning, uh, yeah, Aruga's uh, yearning, like Nafshi Tarog, Haptimit, this inner yearning, Zoremet Hi El it flows to uh, the victory in the binary of holiness and, uh, and profane wouldn't be the right term. It's, you know, holiness and, and uh, not holiness or uh, secular. I would say secular. You'll see what I mean. Uh, he's going to develop this idea, and you'll see what I mean by secular, okay? Um, in other words, not, not uh, inherently religious, okay? Uh, get in my place. Uh, because our victory is, uh, com- is, uh, comes in two f- uh, phases. Not strictly literal there, but okay. The first phase is the victory of good over evil. And the second phase is the victory of uh, holiness over uh, secular. And if we want to highlight the the vision of victory in the avodah uh, in the you know uh, the the daily the the work of uh, of the godly work, it's a phrase I don't think it translates well to English. It means like the 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 work of being religious. Okay, avodah Hashem is how I'm gonna keep using it, but just know that's what it means. Okay? Uh, in in uh, every individual. Because then it is upon, it is on us to say this. So now he's putting it in terms of, you know, directly related to an individual. There's separation from sin, and then there's doing a mitzvah. Okay? Doing a good deed. Right? So these prishami avera o shel o shel staying away from uh, from bad things, doing the good things. This is the the victory of good over evil. Right? You're following the Torah. You're doing letter of the law. Right? And on uh, the the uh, on the other side, the ilu in this. Hamida uh, binisayon, the standing uh, after a test, shall asias divrei harashus l'shem shemayim, of doing divrei rishus means things that are not strictly commanded. Um, just to give you an example, just to give you an example of what he's going to end up saying, like uh, you know, benching, uh, saying the grace after meals, benching is uh, is you know is a mitzvah. Eating is divaricious, right? It's something that's not strictly governed by the laws. Okay, so the standing in the te- uh, standing up to the test of doing things, doing things that are not related to religion, l'shem shemayim for the sake of religion. Who, who, honey, or he, he, whatever. Nisachon hakadosh alachol. That is the victory of the holy over the secular. Shechein divrei harashus mitzad atzmam. Right, this is what we're saying here, right? Uh, the Rishus from the uh, uh, are inherently not good or evil. It is not good or evil to eat, right? It's not, you know, it's not a mitzvah to eat. It's not a veira to eat unless it's certain times, right? 
It's just a thing that happens, right? And so it can't be victory of good over evil, but rather it's victory of, you know, holy over secular, or the holiness over the non uh, over the non-religious aspects. Okay, I don't think there's good terms in English for what I'm talking about, but I think you get what I'm talking about. Okay, uh, and this is also true uh, when it comes to the uh, the entire nation. In the life of the uh, entire nation, uh, there are eras, right? Okay, so each era is separated, is distinguished from its uh, other in the Revelation of the quality of the uh, victory of the spiritual victory, right? Um, what I'll rephrase that is like the each genera- each era is distinguished by the degree of victory of uh, 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 the degree of spiritual victory. Okay, he's going to define those terms. Okay, right? There are. Uh, times where the uh, era is uh, typified by the victory of good over evil, like uh, we succeeded over evil, right? But there are eras in which we have transcended that, in which we are not merely fighting good over evil, but we have, you know, come to a victory of code of holiness on secular. Okay, and thus we arrive to, and thus we uh, come to the era of of uh, King Solomon, Shlomo Melch, right? Uh, okay, so uh, I should mention that uh, Rav Yitzchak Blau in his series on Rav Hutner says that this idea is attributable to Rav Cook. Uh, Rav Hutner was famously a student of Rav Cook, and uh, Rav Cook, the you know. Uh, spiritual father of religious Zionism, uh, and uh, it was controversial. Uh, he was a controversial figure of Cook, and it's controversial that uh, Rav Hutner was associated with him. Uh, to some extent, Rav Hutner distanced himself from Rav Cook, whether it was a political move or whether it was a real breaking of ideology is a historical question. There was definitely a calculating aspect to Rav Hutner about uh, his public persona, uh, and it's interesting about that. I uh, just wanted to mention that, okay? But this is an idea that appears in Rav Cook. I don't know if it's directly attributable to Rav Cook because the idea of Shlomo, the, the uh, era of King Shlomo as a golden age of sorts is really just there in Tanakh. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's keep going, okay? So we come to the era of Shlomo Hamela, Okay. So, all right, where did I go? is upon us to know that in the entire history, uh, forever, uh, there was never a era in Israel like this. There are uh, no comparables to the era of Shlomo. Asher kol shel there is no era in which uh, 
every single thing was governed by, uh, let me translate literally and then I'll translate freestyle, okay? Um, all matter, all timely matters and all, uh, you know, permit divre reshus of the, uh, you know, the, the generality of the nation. Yimsa'u kulam betchum were all under the boundaries of the governance of Torah. In other words, uh, everything was uh, done according to Torah, uh, uh, was done according to Torah, it was ruled over by Torah, okay? Um, yeah, he would have been in favor of theocracy, okay. Kemoti kufat shlomo, like to the era of shlomo. Kol sidrei ha-sanhedrin, v'chol sidrei ha-malchut, v'chol koach ha-nuvuah, all the, uh, the, the orders of the Sanhedrin and all the orders of the, the monarchy and all the power of prophecy, okay, uh, and all the uh, the um, uh, activity of the the Urim Vitumim, the you know uh, divination device that was in the the uh, the breastplate of the of the uh, high priest Kohen Gadol, uh, were all in their uh, the full extent of their power. Uh, in the and the the uh, tomb, uh, sorry, I call it during the colonial, uh, in all of their uh, fullness, Eretz Yisrael the Matzav shall call Yosheval, and uh, and the land of Israel was in a uh, status of all of its inhabitants on it, each individual under their uh, grapevine and under their uh, fig, uh, fig tree, right? The famous phrase that uh, is now famous because of Hamilton, uh, but it would, used to be famous because it was in the Bible. Uh, right? When all of the, in other words, everything was working as it was supposed to. Right? You look at the Torah, you look how it's described, right? And you look at the era of Shlomo, and everything's working as it's supposed to. Well, not really because, you know, the uh, accumulation of gold and wives and whatever, but that comes later. Uh, all of these, when they are combined together, it brings all, all timely life and all the needs of the hour. Okay, so once everything is going according to the Torah, once everything is going according to plan, that means that every aspect of life is uh, is for the sake of heaven. Okay, every like every need, every uh, way so the society functions is now for the purpose of heaven. He's going to develop this idea. Shlomo Shemo. His name was Shlomo, Vishlema, Haita Machuto, and full was his, and perfect was his uh, kingdom, Bem Lachat Malcho Shalom, in its uh, uh, crowning of the uh, king of the world, Al Kaliut in Shel Hauma, on all the uh, matters of the nation. Right? Once everything is going according to plan, then everything that happens in that nation is uh, according to Torah and Lashem Shemayim, and, you know, uh, crowning God as king and all that stuff. He's going to develop this idea like if you're not following. Okay. Dalit. <clears throat> and this perfection is revealed in a halacha uh, shlema, in a full halacha. He's playing with words here. Shlema, right? And shlomo is part of this. 
that we do not accept converts in the time of Shlomo. Okay, that is a real halacha. Okay, that doesn't make any statements about converts nowadays. I just want to stress that. Okay, but he's going to give a reason for that. Kilomar, uh, <clears throat> which is saying, When we accept converts in this time, in this time period, Omrim lo, Right? Uh, when uh, somebody comes to convert, we say, don't you know that uh, Jews in this time period are uh, mournful and, uh, what did I write here? Uh, eroded, I think that's what I wrote here, okay? Minturafim, right? We're in a downtrodden state. And we do not accept him until he says, even though, right? Even so, I'm going to convert, Right? And once it, uh, and since in the time of Shlomo, the life, uh, the even in this world, uh, in Israel, was in the uh, greatness of its uh, wealth, right? We were very rich at that time, the golden age, as I mentioned. Right? He can't say, even though. He can't say, even so. Right? Because, yeah, of course he would. Right? Mimela, ain shum And therefore, automatically, there's no reason to accept. There, there's, there's no way to accept him. Right? So the main point that he's making is you see that this time period of Shlomo HaMelech is unique, right? That there is something that is going on here that uh, expresses itself uh, uh, in the you know fullness and the perfection of that nation that makes it so that we don't believe somebody if they say even even so. There's no even so to make, okay? Uh, and there's no comparison to it. Follow Datlin of Onakel, and uh, you know it's easy to understand. Ki elu hashanim these uh, these years dahinu piskat hatzlacha shel chayeholam hazem michadagisa that there was this uh, the 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 uh, pinnacle of uh, that's the word I was looking for of uh, success of uh, this world from one side. Right? So we were very successful, you know, physically, and uh, the, the yeshivish word would be gashmias, right? Uh, we had all this wealth and stuff. But also, uh, since everything, uh, right, since everything was, uh, by the Torah, it was put under the category of l'shem shemayim, for the sake of heaven, from the other, uh, Right? So we have these two things going on. Uh, there are two sides of the same coin. Because the name of this coin, right? This is great use of you know allegory and language, right? Is the um, uh, the, the, the best way to translate this would be truthification, but uh, you'll see what I mean in a second. The truthification of 
the uh, of the life of this world in uh, with the vision of the etern- uh, with the vision of eternal life, right? The act uh, actualization would be a better word, right? The actualization of an eternal vision. Because the uh, vision of the eternal vision of of for the sake of heaven of l'shem shemayim who is natural and revealed, and uh, similarly ramimut malatam shel yisrael Oshram right. So he says those two come hand in hand, right? We had this uh, perfection. We had this perfection in this world, and we had this perfection. Uh, and since everything was dedicated l'shem shemayim. Right, that is the uh, the vision of success. We had a physical and spiritual vision of success actualized during the time of Shlomo. Okay. Okay. So we learn from this that even though there were periods in the time in uh, the the life of Bnei Israel or the uh, history of the Jews, right. That's a better term for what I was going to say. Uh, that has a victory of good over evil. Nonetheless, when it comes to the victory of holy on sec- uh, 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 holy over secular, that is the uh, the ruling of, of for the sake of heaven in all the you know neutral actions. Rishus, I'm going to translate like as neutral in all the neutral actions of the nation. The uh, era that uh, that stands out for the. Uh, for the re- revelation of the victory of holiness on secular, okay, this that is the period of the perfection of the nation. In the in the days of the kingdom, whose name is derived from the from the root shlemut from the root that means wholeness or perfection halohu shlomo hamelach right so he's saying that shlomo the, the name shlomo is uh, uh, tells you about that era that it was an era in which all visions were fulfilled all things were uh, all things in the torah were actualized uh, everything was full and perfect right and that's you know the period of shlomo Right. Okay. So it's uh, kind of a literary analysis of Shlomo being uh, Shlomo's time being, you know, uh, typified by his name. Okay. It's gonna get cool. Okay. Mikan shebein kol shirei hakodesh sheyesh lanu b'tor vinvua keruya hi shiratosh shirashirim. Sorry, getting with my words. Okay. From here. With all the holy songs that are in the uh, in, that are in the Torah and the prophets, Kuriyahi Shirato Shir Hashirim, right? We have this one that is called uh, Shir Hashirim. And we know from the words of the sages, that all song, and this is a statement of Rabbi Kiva in uh, in 
Yeah, I got to admit, I don't know where it is. Okay. Uh, all songs are holy. Right? This is a statement of Rabbi Kiva that says all songs in the Torah are holy, but Shira Shirim is the holy of holies. Right? Right? Shira Shirim is the holy of holies. Of all Adayin in on Yodim, Kitzel Lefarish Hevdelza. Bein Hakodesh shall Kol Hashirim, Uvein Kodesh Hakodashim shall Shira Shirim. We don't know how to, what that means. What does it mean that one song is, uh, that all the other songs are holy, and this one song, Shira Shirim, is holy of holies? Ela Shehem Hemadvarim, this is like we've been saying. All songs are holy because their 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 content is the uh, downfall of the wicked. This is the victory of good over evil. The holy of holies of Shir Hashirim, who and Shir Hashirim is a song about the downfall of secular before the holy. Okay, and he doesn't mean that like the secular world is evil. He means that there is a world that is not, you know, suffused with religion and godliness, and there is, you know, Judaism, and this is the victory of you know that uh, godliness over you know neutral. Okay, uh, he doesn't mean secular in a bad sense. In other words, he means it in a neutral sense. Right? The first stage is good over evil. The second stage is good over neutral. Okay? And just like the, uh, the downfall of the secular is built upon the downfall of evil, the 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 victory of holiness is built on the uh, the victory of good. and uh, uh, right and uh, let me finish the sentence and translate it. Okay, Oh, binyano. Ah, that's that's why Nikudo are. Important, but also cheating sometimes. And this building of the holy of holies is built upon the building of the holy. Shir Hashirim, he kodesh kadashim. Right? You see what he did there? Right? He said, "Why is Shir Hashirim the holy of holies compared to all songs which are the holy?" Right? Just as the second stage is the victory of the good over the, uh, uh, of the secular, built upon the uh, uh, sorry uh, uh, the uh, victory of of uh yeah sorry of holiness over secular is built upon the uh victory of good over evil right that means kodesh kodeshim right okay i think that's fairly self-explanatory if it's not self-explanatory um yell at me on the internet uh and uh you know has also good things that's not an accurate translation that's how i'm choosing to translate it this is the language of the uh, the, the sages. The world was not sufficient until Shir uh, Hashirim was given. Okay, 
בקדושה של שיר השירים, השתמשו בו בביטוי זה של לא היה עולם כדאי. When, uh, if you pay attention to the language, that in the, uh, at the time that they came to argue over the, the holiness of Shir Shirim, there is a debate in the Gemara as to whether Shir Shirim belongs in Tanakh. Uh, they use this expression of the world was not enough. Uh, not just a James Bond movie. Uh, quote from the Gemara. Kilamar, Yechud Kedusha Sel Shel Shir Shirim. Uh, the the uniqueness of the holiness of uh, Shir Hashirim, Yonik Hu Al Es Kocho, it uh, nurses, right? You know, gives sustenance to. Uh, again, poetic use of Hebrew. Miuchad Hamatzav Shel Haolam Shabohu Nemar, the the status of the world that uh, about it is said, Okay, I'm going to just sum that up, right? What it means that the world was not enough until Shir Hashirim was written is the world in which Shir Hashirim was written, in which the uh, it was not just victory of good over evil, but also victory of the holiness over the neutral. That is uh, that is the world that made the that is the the world that made the world sufficient, right? The world was created for a time period like that. Okay. Okay, this is where I guess he says the question more explicitly. So how do we find that quality in the actual content of Shir Shirim? I mean, read it. It's That's not what it seems, right? Okay. In order to, uh, to answer this question, let's go back to something we were talking about before about the, you know, uh, the, the holy work, the Avodah Hashem, the, the, you know, the daily religious life. Yeah, I'm going to go with religious life. Uh, uh, right? In the uh, using of neutral activities for the sake of heaven. Right? The uh, the this work of uh, bringing neutral actions to the for the sake of heaven of using neutral actions for the sake of heaven uh, has many qualities that uh, many uh, different qualities. And these qualities are, are are chained ladder to ladder, right? They're chained to each other. Okay. Dargat hapshat shalavodazu. The the simple meaning. And pshat, we can go into what he means by pshat. Uh, different time, right? Dargat hapshat shalavodazu, the simple meaning of this, uh, the simple step, step is a better word, of this work, he bahanat haguf l'shem havra v'chizuk ha-kochot l'torat mitzvot right? Is the use of neutral activities in order to strengthen my body and to, to be healthy in order to learn Torah, right? Uh, and, and to do mitzvot. Right? Right? So, uh, sorry, um, before I get to that point, right? Uh, I eat so that I have the strength to learn Torah. I sleep so that I am not sleeping during shear. I drink so that, um, you know, I don't dehydrate. 
in the middle of Sheer, you know, all those things. Like, uh, you know, think about something your middle school Rebbe or your high school Rebbe said to you, if you have, if that experience is, you know, applicable to you of like, why do we eat so that we have the, uh, the shrink to, right? Very simple concept, right? He's going to go, no, 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 there's another level, Okay. One of the atzilut is this is one I wish I knew more Kabbalah, right? Atzilut is like above, I would say. Somebody correct me. He he shtamshut betorat mashal is the use is 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 getting involved in the Torah in the Torah mashal in the. Seeing things as an allegory is how I'll translate it. This is kind of uh, hard trace uh, to translate, okay? Mudartuma, by way of example, okay? He's going to explain this pretty well. Adamni or Mishnato mi boker. Veteketh hum makdish et koacham nuchashinat na lo shena zu la mela shaltora mitzvot. All right? You know, somebody gets up uh, from the rest in the morning and, uh, you know, somebody slept and gets up in the morning and they say this is for the work of Torah mitzvah. And what I was talking about, sleep so that I have the energy to learn Torah. Zohi dargata pshat That is a simple explanation of all your actions should be for the sake of heaven, right? That is, you know, what it means on pshat. Aval halo yodimanu, but don't we know? Shechachamim tiknu lano b'shachar berchot machzir neshamot lefkari meitim. Right? We have a blessing in uh, bracha in the middle, in, in the beginning of uh, the morning blessings, that about returning our souls to our uh, dead corpses. V'demitsa debechina zu kol inyan hakitza mitoch shena ena ela mishel mashal letchiat mezim. Right, it's ena ela mashal letchiat mezim. Right, getting up in the morning is not just I'm getting up so that I you know can go learn Torah. It's that itself that me living that is an allegory for the eventual truth of the uh, resuscitation of the dead. Like the the uh, sages explain explicitly. And somebody, and now we say, and here we say that uh, somebody whose uh, you know religious life is, in in his heart is so set, and their their faith in the uh, in the eventual uh, resuscitation of the dead in Tchiat HaMesim is like a peg that will not, it's stuck in the ground that will not move. And his, and, uh, his faith in the, uh, the essence of Tchiat HaMesim, he haya bo ha ki ha Tchiat HaMesim hu ha nimshal ha-yechidi shel inyan ha-yekitza. Right? That the resuscitation of the dead is the nimshal, is the, the explanation of the allegory, uh, the, the only explanation of the allegory for, uh, the, for waking up in the morning, right? So this is, this, is, this is the thing that I think is really cool, right? He's saying, no, it's not just L'shem Shemayim doesn't just mean like sleeping in order to be able to learn better. It means that you see you're getting up in the morning as a allegory for, you know, something, uh, uh, for something, you know, uh, above you, something, some aspect of religious life. It's a, it's a metaphor, 
right? You're part, you're living a metaphor, you're living an allegory. <clears throat> this faith is uh, receives more life and more strength from the fact that he's actually waking up in the morning, right? That he's living it. Right? You have this abstract idea that the, the dead are going to be revived in the Messianic era, but you put it into, uh, into your life in a sense that you can really feel. Right? You, uh, in, you actually feel the revivification. I should stop saying that word. The Tchiyat HaMesim. You actually feel Tchiyat HaMesim. Zohi Darga Atzilut. And this is the uh, the ultimate understanding. This is the ultimate understanding of what doing things L'Shem Shemayim is. Not that you're, I'm sleeping so that I have the the strength to learn Torah. It's that me getting up in the morning is an act, is a taste of what Tchiyat HaMesim is. Right? Right? And there was a student, and this is uh, this is like the answer that Rabbi Gamliel gives to that uh, student that uh, uh, was. Uh, uh, let me finish this. Okay. Right? So. Uh, this student was making fun of Rebbe Gamliel for saying that in the future, a woman will get, uh, in the uh, Messianic era, a woman will give birth every day. Um, I don't know how the women in the audience feel about that, but okay. I'll show you an example in this world. Bring me a chicken. Uh, okay, so they're not laying babies every day, but okay. And a um, a religious person, a, a a sincere religious person that uh, fulfills the the verse, you should know him in in in, uh, in all your paths. In in an elite way. He will see with everything he sees, and he will hear with everything he hears. He, to give more life to the beliefs that he, to the essential beliefs that he has. And this is like uh, what we have said. And this is one of the, and this is what we mean when we say that. Uh, the allegory is one of the highest levels of living a life for the sake of heaven. This is a cool idea, okay? And he, you can see where he's going to go with this, okay? And we've, according to what we've already said, in the time of Shlomo, Right, these two sides of the the mashal and the nimshal, the allegory and the explanation, right? There's no separation between the two. They meet. Mitzad echad chaye olam azeh shel klal yutama mashkifim be'ashram uva'ashram et hatov ha'mitiv shel hanetzach. Right, in the physical side of things, we were successful and we were rich and we were lucky. Right, uh, uh, fortunate. 
and uh, you know the good and the best of the of uh, okay of eternal. Mitzad Hashani Asuka he klaliyot hama ba'uv avuda zu shel hachnasas divrei harashut laotzer archei hanetzach. Right, because everything was subsumed. Uh, everything that we did was l'shem shemayim. Everything was uh, for you know eternal purposes. Miata datlon avonikel. And from this, uh, it'll be easy to understand. Once we have a situation where these two uh, sides meet, this is a situation that uh, when you engage in all the matters of the world, uh, the needs of the body, when you see every aspect of your life as having relevant as being an allegory and having relevance to the eternal life of the uh, of the Jewish nation, in this situation, the holiness of the Allegory in the words of Torah goes to the the pinnacle of uh, to the to its pinnacle. V'chol parkei avrei haguf inyanam nasim rimazim shukufim shukufim haromzim behedja uvivirut lachrei hanetzach shel knesset Yisrael. In everything that is done, all the actions of the body and all their matters are are made to be hints that hint explicitly. He's, uh, you know, sort of playing with the language there. The hint, but it's an explicit hint. He roots and with clarity to the value, to the eternal values of the Jewish people. And the world was not enough to use this allegory of, you know, uh, upper holiness of, uh, you know, okay? Like the day Shira Shirim is written. And that's why, uh, and that's why Shira Shirim is written as an allegory. In the content of Shira Shirim. Okay? Okay, so just to uh, explain what he's saying, right? There are... There are two ways of looking at your actions, right? There's, you know, I have... A religious life, and then I have a secular life, and I do the religious things. I leave the shul, and then I go into you know whatever, right? And then there's the higher level, which is all of my actions are have meaning and value, and are uh, allegories for you know eternal concepts. And at a time where the physical reality of Bnei Israel was fulfilled to its greatest extent, and also the spiritual reality, the the words of the Torah, right? The, the in that period the allegory and the meaning of the allegory in other words your actions and the eternal values that they represent are inseparable right so when you are eating it's not just that you're you know eat, you're you know expressing some religious value when you're writing a love song uh, a love story it's not just that you're writing a love story though it is a love story it's that they express Value, they exp they are all an allegory for how God you know relates to the world, right? It's only in that time period 
that Shira Shiram could be written. I hope that's making sense. Okay, let me finish this up, and uh, we'll see uh, if that uh, if that makes more sense. Okay, the Kanovea who she knew has known Bain Petichat Sefer Shira Shirim, who Bain Petichat Sefer Mishlei VeSefer Kohelet, and now we understand the different the difference in the wording of the opening of Shira Shirim, or uh, between that and the other books written by Shlomo. Because uh, the opening of Shir uh, Shirim, uh, is the word Asher is added. And this uh, word reveals the, uh, the, the special relationship between the book and its author. Because in the... Uh, the actual content in the actual content of the book, Nikarit Hikdusha Shal Right? You could the it has the appearance as uh, of a of an allegory. The Kedusha Hui This holiness uh, points uh, uh, points with his finger. Ki Hasefer Mishtayehu Oto Hamelech, and this that this book is uh, associated. With that king, Asher Shemo Haprati, that his individual name, Eno Ela Mashal Lemachut Shemayim, even his name is a allegory for the ruler for uh, for the the kingdom of uh, heaven. That's unnecessarily Christian. Uh, okay, whatever. Malchut uh, Shemayim is not a is a Jewish concept. Okay, Shekal Shlomo Hamor Bishir Hashirim. Because every Shlomo that is said in Shir Hashirim, Eno Ela Mashal Lemelach Shalom Shalom is only a uh, an allegory for the king who uh, who uh, who owns p- that piece is his okay otiotav shel hashem shlomo hein hein haotiot shel tevat hamashal these are the letters of the word uh, okay so he says you scramble up shlomo you get hamashal that's cool who atzmo enu ela mashal hamelach shalom shalom he himself is only an allegory for the ultimate king, uh, the king whose peace, uh, who, whose pe- uh, peace is his. Okay, below od ella shem mamshalato shel shlomo si piskata shel mamshalab Israel, and the um, rulership of Shlomo is the pinnacle of rulership in uh, Israel. V'chol atzma shel tevat mamshala, and all the the essence of the word. Uh, Memshala, rulership, Novet Himusag Hamashal derives its uh, derives from the idea of Mashal. I don't know how true that is, but uh, let him finish. Because every dominion that is in the land, every rulership that is in the land, Inena Ella Bivoa Shalhamemshala Deila Right? Every kingdom on earth is only an allegory. Is only kind of representative of the ultimate kingdom. The kachahin niftach hu asefer shel kedutat hamashal, and uh, and thus the book uh, of the holiness of the allegory is opened. Bipirut hakesher vahayichud ben hasefer ben hamechaber, in the uh, special relationship between the book and its author. Sheikar kedushato hu kedushat hamashal, that the essence of his holiness. Is the is the holiness of the allegory, 
Shir Hashirim Asher Lushlomo. Okay. The Song of Songs that is to Shlomo. Okay, so I'll tell you how I, I how I take this Ma'amar. Okay, and I think this goes beyond what he's saying, but I think this is something something that I've taken from it. Is that you know, I was talking in the last podcast about second naivete and stuff uh, like that. I used to struggle a bit with, like, if I know the reasons for what I'm doing, am I really doing it? Am I really, like, involved? If I know that this is supposed to give us this idea, uh, this these practices are supposed to give us these ideas, or, you know, I know the reason, does that take away from what I'm doing? And I found that this gave me a framework for understanding that and understanding, uh, you know, how to reconcile that in that, you know, you understand that you're living a metaphor. You understand that you're living in an allegory, but you're st- but that living, living that is part of it. If you, I don't know if I'm making sense there, but the idea that you can reach a level of holiness where you understand that it's a, that everything you're doing is a metaphor but that just gives meaning to what you're doing and you could work within the story rather than just sitting outside of it and saying oh well this compares to this right you every aspect is living in that allegory uh, I think that's helpful and I think his vision of not, right, he says the victory of good over evil is only one step. And the real, vic- the real victory that we're going for is not, you know, good over evil, but, you know, meaning over non-meaning, right? That's to unnecessarily universalize what he's saying, you know, holiness over secular, but like you know, how I'm taking it here is that it's not just enough to, you know, stay away from good, uh, stay away from bad, do the good things. Uh, it's also to find meaning in everything that you do. Uh, and I think this goes to maybe a vision of, you know, how we can be people of the world and also religious Jews, is that it's not that, you know, I leave the shul and I go to the university or, you know, my job, and those are two separate spheres. It's that all of my actions are metaphors or have meaning, uh, in relation to the eternal values that Judaism represents. Uh, I like this mamar, and I think it provides an interesting framework to think about things. And, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully that made sense. And uh, I'm going to stop here. All right. Uh, see you guys next time.